Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on that episode and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. If you're listening on there, share around with others, follow on there also. We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Twitter, all you got to do is type in at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. All you got to do is type that in, search engine, you'll find it. Follow like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, same thing. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as all things up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. And Instagram, same thing, at Pigskin Frenzy. Follow like the page there. You'll get trivia questions on your stories. And you will get episode updates as well as all things up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. Okay, college football day today. And that was a quick intro. <laughs> I just I just went, whew right into it. College football day today. Uh, a lot, I mean, a lot happened. I, I would assume, I would assume with, you know, media days, we got some more takeaways uh, as I promised you from last week's edition and last Thursday's episode, NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. I promised you that we were going to talk about more of media days. I also said that we were going to, you know, dive deep into the Pac-12 and I said we're going to dive into the Big Ten. We'll do the Big Ten next week instead. So the Big Ten media days and the ACC media days will be next week, not this week. Well, we're going to talk about the Pac-12, and we're also going to be talking about some more, you know, in the last bit, I would assume, some la like a last bit of some SEC media days as well. So we're going to, you know, dive deep into that. And we got some breaking news out of Ann Arbor that we're going to discuss, and this could play into a factor of, you know, what we can talk about next week for media days for the Big Ten. So, you know, we're going to, you know, don't leave yet, all right? You know, follow, you know, share around with others and just keep plugging in to Pigskin Frenzy on all platforms and all social media platforms. Okay, let's dive deep into it. And before we get into the media days, let's talk about that news out of Ann Arbor. I'm not going to just keep y'all waiting on that. This is breaking news, uh, according from Pete Thamel from ESPN, senior ESPN sports writer and sports writer of the year, ladies and gentlemen, Pete Thamel, uh, reporting this news. And it was, it was first reported by Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports, formerly from Sports Illustrated, now working with Yahoo Sports. And good job reporting on this uh, for both Pete Thamel and Ross Dellinger on this. But Michigan football head coach Jim Harbaugh is expected to face a four-game suspension this season due to recruiting violations. Okay, so uh, as you may, you know, may not or may not be aware. It's been kind of keep, kept it under wraps, not been talked about a whole lot, but I've been kind of keeping up with it a little bit. Throughout, uh, during the summer and throughout the summer, there has been some uh, a quiet, I would say, a quiet investigation going on in Michigan uh, due to some of these violations. And I guess now that they're self-imposed, I would assume, and Jim Harbaugh is discussing with the NCAA about a, about a four-game suspension. So... Are we talking about, oh, no, at the end of the year? No, 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 because they're going to need him at the end of the year. But uh, the first four games, uh, week one through week four, uh, what are those four games on the schedule? Joel, let's start off with them. The four 
rumored games for the suspension to where he would not be coaching and he'd be suspended on are week one against East Carolina, week two against UNLV, week three against Bowling Green, and week four against Rutgers. Here is the interesting note about this. They're all home games. (laughs) They are all home games. Now, if he does get suspended, which they're working on a suspension right now, so I assume it would happen, he would return week five at the last week, the last week of September against Nebraska. And that is the first road game for the Michigan Wolverines, uh, a Nebraska team that has a new head coach in, you know, former Baylor and former Temple head coach and former Carolina Panthers head coach Matt Rule, his first season going into Lincoln. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those, that's, that's a, a, I would say a tricky game to go in, you know, go in against. Uh, does Michigan have the team to beat them? Absolutely, but I would assume it is a tricky game to start your coaching season off, you know, against because you I mean we you, we don't know what Matt Rule and Nebraska are going to do. Uh, we just got to you know find out, right? I I, w- I would assume Nebraska is going to be a a team that you don't take lightly, but Michigan should get the win over nonetheless. But Michigan should win these games. Should. Uh, we don't know anything about, you know, who would be the interim coach. We don't know none of that. We just know that these are the rumored four games that he would get suspended for, and they're working on suspension right now as we speak. So, uh, breaking news at Ann Arbor, Jim Harbaugh sus- could be suspended four games for, due to recruiting violations. That was mostly quiet. I'm surprised how, you know, we didn't hear about this earlier on in the summer, and we didn't hear a lot about this, you know, at, at all, kind of, you know, uh, up until now. So uh, they're working on suspension now. And uh, just if I have more up to date, I will keep you guys up to date. I tweeted about it earlier. So if you go on my Twitter and you listen to it and you, and you read about it, you will find out, you know, a lot, you know, going on, right? A lot going on up in Ann Arbor. So uh, let's move on from Michigan and let's just talk about media days. I just wanted to get the breaking news out of the way really quick. Let's talk about media days. And before we go into the SEC, the last bit of SEC, I'm going to conclude SEC media days coverage now uh, today in this episode. But next week, we'll talk more about the Pac-12. I have, you know, three teams we're going to talk about. And then we're going to, you know, talk about two more teams next weekend, uh, next week and next Tuesday on Pigskin Frenzy. We're also going to be talking about the Big Ten next week and the ACC next week. So uh, we're going to conclude the SEC portion of this today and start off with the Pac-12. Uh, and we're going to kick it off with the Pac-12. Why not? Shall we? Let's just kick right into it. Let's go to Las Vegas and talk about media dates in the Pac-12. Now, while the stability of the Pac-12 is in question, obviously because of realignment and conference and conference moves and everything going on next season. The losses of USC and UCLA are obviously going to put a damper on the Pac-12 conference. However, look at it like this. This season, it's very competitive. I mean, you got some competitive teams in the Pac-12, including USC in that in that factor because they're still a Pac-12 team. Need I remind you guys, this is not 2024 yet, ladies and gentlemen. Not 2024. Okay, so USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington, all in the mix. Competitive. You got quarterbacks in there like Cam Rising, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Caleb Williams leading the pack. And now you can add Colorado in there. They're they're coming. That's what Deion Sanders has been saying. Coach Prime has been saying. They're coming. You can add his son in there, quarterback Shadir Sanders in there. 
you got a lot of top quarterbacks in that conference, a lot of top players in that conference in the Pac-12, talent-wise and team-wise, they're not hurting, okay? The stability and, you know, uh, you know, exposure with media, that is what we're talking about amongst all the realignments. So let's kick it off with the Pac-12, right? The Pac-12 commissioner, George uh, Kylikoff. Kylikoff has, you know, previously stated about, you know, the media deal and what's been going on there. He gave us an update on that and some takeaways here. He said there's no media deal in place as of this moment, and the focus is currently on football. To me, that's a little worrisome. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's a little bit worrisome. I would assume that there's been more talks about a media deal. However, we're not hearing anything yet. Speaking of media deals, the ACC and the CW, the CW was the rumored network for the Pac-12, you know, to try to get a media deal on, but the ACC took that spot. So the ACC and the CW have come to terms up until 2026 of a media deal. So we're going to talk about that uh, later on. That's a, that's a whole other deal. We're going to talk about that next week, I would assume, the ACC media deal there. But that was supposed to be their rumored network. That didn't come into play. Uh, I, I heard stuff about Apple TV. That I have not heard anything else about it. Uh, he says that the current focus is on football, and I quote, there are two quotes he said. Number one, Kolokov has said this, the longer we wait for the media deal, the better our options get. And another quote, there's an underlying shift in the media market it, that it's happening currently. So, you got to think right now when you look at that, I mean, it's a little worrisome because the members of the conference are promised, okay, we need more exposure, right? We need a brand, we have to present our brand of football out to people and get our, you know, our teams out there, right? They're still working on a deal, I suppose, but we don't know anything as of yet on where that's headed and what's it going to look like. So stability, questionable. Currently, however, football teams, they still got some teams and they still got some talent starting off with leading into the projected number one team that the media has picked USC. So let's kick it off with USC, right? Uh, quarterback Kayla Williams, and this, this is some takeaways that I've gotten from the media days from USC. Quarterback Kayla Williams is predicting a playoff berth. Now, when you think about when you think about this, you think of okay, he's just saying that. No, he honestly believes it. He had listen. When you think of USC, when you think of okay, USC is going to get in the playoffs and they could choke and all this stuff. And a lot of people were assuming that because of the defense, right? Here's my here's my thought process. USC's got the talent, but they need the defense. They got the talent on offense. They got the guys and the weapons on offense to score and outscore you. However, you need a defense to kind of back a lot of it up, right? And and, and that's and that is my thoughts for USC. And that's what that was my that's been my whole thought process for USC through the beginning. My spring outlook when I did the spring outlook back in the spring. Go to previous episodes and listen to that <laughs> if you want to. Why not? But I talked about defense, and the defense is going to be key. I mentioned how I mentioned in, you know list of college football games that are going to impact the playoff hunt. I mentioned Oregon and USC. What did I mention about USC defense? I mentioned Washington versus USC. What did I mention? You can finish my sentence. Defense. So 
I mentioned their defense, and I think it's a big, big thing going into the playoffs and going into this season is what's their defense going to look like? Uh, do I think they're going to make the playoffs? I'm not saying that now. I'm not going to make any playoff predictions until uh, closer till right now. I'm just you know sitting back, and I'm going to you know weigh my options and think about what my predictions are going to be. But Caleb Williams is predicting a playoff berth. He's confident enough that the USC Trojans are going to make it, and I would be too. You're, you're the defending Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, you're the Pac-12 runner-ups, and y'all made it to the Cotton Bowl last season. Uh, but defense is a key factor in this. Speaking of defense, Lincoln Riley, co head coach of the USC Trojans, has said that the defense has improved in his second media day's appearance ever. He said that this defense has improved, and he loved the quote-unquote, in his words, the competitive depth that the front seven has brought to the Trojans. Now, front seven, if you want to look at that, it is led by new Georgia transfer Bear Alexander, who is now a part of that USC Trojan defense, stud on the line. Good pickup from uh, for USC there, Bear Alexander, solid defensive tackle and the competitive depth it could be you know involved with him right he is he is sticking with Alex Grinch and he believes that this defense will be better this season and that they're going to find a way to come in clutch in some of these games on defense right we're going to have to see and we're going to have to you know to see it with our own eyes I'm not going to sit there and say okay you know we don't believe you but we're going to have to see it with our own eyes if this defense has taken a step up because Utah and, you know, Utah and Tulane, they were supposed to win the Utah. They were supposed to beat Utah in the rematch and they were supposed to beat Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. It didn't happen. So we're going to have to see, you know, what this defense is going to look like going in to this season. Uh, and the last takeaway I got from USC is the media has picked them, you know, to win the Pac-12 over Oregon, Utah, and Colorado, Washington, and others. So uh, they're the number one, you know, team. They're the projected Pac-12 champions. And in my eyes, they are the Pac-12 champions. I said that in the conference standing projections. Go back and, like I said, another plug here. Go back and listen to it. But I said that they were going to win the Pac-12 championship over Washington in a rematch. So USC projected first to win the Pac-12 championship. Move. Let's move on to Utah. That's our second team here, Utah. And here's some of my takeaways from Utah. Um, Kyle Whittingham, and he said this, he's having a blast coaching, right? And this is my takeaway. He's having a blast coaching despite almost calling it quits. He's 63 years old. He is uh, one of the oldest coaches uh, besides a Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, uh, Mike Gundy, uh, all those guys, right? And he, but despite that, he is still a solid football coach, right? He's led them to back-to-back -back Rose Bowl appearances, and Utah has been kind of the standard bearer of the Pac-12 recently, right? Um, Utah is, you know, Utah is one of those teams where, okay, they're underdogs, which always, but they always rise above expectations, and they're always a team to not you know, n not like take lightly. Like you're playing Utah now. It's it's one of those teams where it's like, okay, you know, let's not take them lightly, right? So Kyle Whittingham's having a blast coaching despite almost calling it quits because he did almost call it quits when Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder left the Jazz organization in in, in the NBA basketball. So that was quite interesting there. Uh, another takeaway, that the team is motivated, motivated going into the season, and they don't listen to any outside sources. Quote from Kyle Whittingham, 
they are a blue collar program and they work hard, right? And they do work hard. Uh, they have a solid offensive line, they have a solid offense, and they have solid defense. They are they, they probably if not have one of, if not the best defense in the Pac-12, and it showed in the Pac-12 championship game against USC. They put up a, a good defensive front. They slow that USC offense down, and Utah has stingy defense, I would say. So they're motivated, and they don't listen to the outside sources. They were picked third to win the Pac-12 championship game. And you're thinking they won back-to-back Pac-12 titles and back-to-back Rose Bowl appearances, and they're picked third over over US, over over uh, USC, Oregon, Washington. I mean, they're they're picked third. Come on, you know. But that's just the way that the media views it, right? It's all projections anyway. Projections may not matter. LSU was projected to finish seven and five last season in the SEC. They won the West. Granted, they lost to Georgia, but they won the West. So. Utah could end up going second or first in the Pac-12 and facing USC and beating them again in the Pac-12 championship. Who knows? So they don't listen to any outside sources, and they are motivated heading into the season. Now, last last takeaway. Uh, I'm sorry, a couple more takeaways. Uh, they said the conference is in an overall great spot despite the media deal. And I understand that because of teams and because of football play in general, but the stability leaning on the media rights deal is crucial especially with conference realignment going on. And that's all I really have to say about that takeaway. But I I found that takeaway interesting. And last but not least, uh, we have an update on quarterback Cam Rising, right? So quarterback Cam Rising and super, you know, super redshirt senior Cam Rising is entering his final season at Utah. He will participate in fall camp in limited fashion after tearing his ACL in the Rose Bowl loss against Penn State. So, Cam Rising, uh, he's been throwing for several weeks, according to Kyle Whittingham, but Cam Rising is trying to get his knee ready, trying to, you know, get his motion and, 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 his, and physically just ready to run the offense, and we don't have any updates in, on if he's going to play against Florida or not, but... You know, August 31st is coming soon, so we're going to have to see what fall camp brings, and let's see if he's ready for that Thursday night opener, Thursday, August 31st opener against Utah in Salt Lake City. So Cam Rising will participate in fall camp in limited fashion, and we're going to see where he goes from here, and I'll provide more injury updates on, you know, Pigskin Frenzy and on social media as well. So last but not least, let's move on to Colorado before we hit up our last bit of SEC media day. So Colorado. Let's note this for a second. Uh, prayers go out to Deion, uh, to Coach Prime, head coach Deion Sanders for Colorado. Uh, coach Prime did not make it. He, you know, he was, you know, he's waiting for fall camp and he's getting physically ready for fall camp and physically and getting physically ready to coach the TCU game on September second because of you know medical reasons and he had an emergency surgery that he had to do he's recovering fine but he's resting and he did not participate in media days so dc the defensive coordinator and colorado defensive coordinator charles kelly uh you know who has history with florida state and alabama took over and he you know was you know speaking on behalf of him um a big takeaway, and I don't have many takeaways for Colorado, other than the fact that he was praising Deion Sanders about, you know, how he handled the roster takeover and how, you know, how he's praising his vision for Colorado football and how he's praising, you know, what's been happening, you know, during the offseason. And he's been, you know, 
he's been feeling like there's been nothing but good things going on for Colorado. The big takeaway I have was this. Uh, Jackson State transfers an uh, athlete, Travis Hunter, two-way player, wide receiver and defensive back, Travis Hunter, and quarterback Shadir Sanders, son of Deion Sanders and Coach Prime. He has recognized them as some of the best athletes in college football and in the Pac-12. And he thinks that they're going to be, you know, a tremendous help for, you know, Colorado's team. And, you know, they're going to, you know, expect them to do big things in college football this season. And that's what a big takeaway that I have gotten is because, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, because it's Jackson State and in Jackson State, you know, good football, HBC, uh, uh, HBCU colleges are amazing, right? They are in that in that brand of football is awesome. You know, there is some good football and there's some good talent and some good football teams in HBCU. But the, a lot of people did not recognize Shadir Sanders and Travis Hunter a lot in uh, Power Five football because of where everyone was at at the time. But now we're going to see a Shadir Sanders and we're going to see a Travis Hunter and think, okay, they're they're actually getting some recognition as some of the best athletes, some of the best players in the game in the power five in college football. So, um, and I think that's what Charles Kelly was pointing out. And that's the takeaway that I've gotten from this, that they are some of the best athletes that we just haven't seen against other competition, but they can't help that, right? They cannot help that. So we're going to see it this season, and I cannot wait to see what Colorado football does, especially in the opener against TCU, uh, opening weekend on September 2nd. So uh, that was my Pac-12 media days. And here's what I got to say, some takeaways from all these teams. Uh, Utah, don't count out Utah, obviously. Uh, Don't count out USC. I mean, Utah, don't count out Utah. Pick USC if you want to. They are the number one seed. Obviously, they're the number one seed in my book. USC is the clear favorite. But do not count out Utah again. Utah is going to show up, and they're going to they're going to shock some teams, and they're going to win some games that you probably didn't expect them to win. I.e., could be another game against USC that they win. So who knows? Let's see what happens there. And Colorado, they may not be the team to be this season, but like Deion Sanders and like Coach Prom is saying, they're coming. So. Watch out for Colorado. Watch out for Utah. And if you want to pick USC as the clear favorite, pick USC as the clear favorite, and rightfully so. They're the best. They're they're clearly the best team right now to pick in the Pac-12. And I'll get on with Washington and Oregon as my last two teams next week for you know the for the Pac-12 media days. Let's let's move on to our last bit of SEC media days before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. And I'll go by this you know fairly quick. Uh, let's go with Kentucky first, and there's not really much on Kentucky except for they pick, they were picked fourth to finish in the SEC East race in media days. Uh, and now that they're going in with a, you know, they're going in with a chip on their shoulder again, just like two years ago with Will Levis coming in, Kentucky's going on with a chip on their shoulder and thinking, okay, no one's counting us, no one's counting us, uh, counting on us on anything. Let's show them who we really are, right? Let's show them that we're wildcat football, right? And Kentucky shocked a lot of people. They beat LSU. Uh, they played Georgia. They played Georgia close. They played, you know, they, they won a lot of games that no one expected them to win. And, you know, they were they had a good brand of offense. Now, last season they did not have a good brand of offense. It was a little bit stagnant. Uh they lost some games that we really didn't expect them to lose. 
And, you know, I think that's what the media is saying right now. The media is kind of wishy-washy on Kentucky right now. So they're picking them fourth in the, in the East. Uh, ahead of them is Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina. So Kentucky is going in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they're talented on offense, and that's my another takeaway. And they're led by North Carolina State transfer quarterback Devin Leary. Devin Leary is one of the most confident, in my opinion, along with a Jaden Daniels, a Spencer Rattler, a Will Rogers, and a Joe Milton, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Devin Leary is, you know, superb. Uh, he's accurate, he's smart, and he can make some deep passes, you know, and it's on the money when needed. So Devin Leary, talented offense led by Devin Leary, and he gets, he's, he has the potential to be better than Will Levis uh, for, this brand, for, this, for this Kentucky offense. So, Last but not least, depth in the inside linebacker spot could be a factor, uh, according to Mark Stoops. And and I quote, you got to stay healthy. And that's been a big problem for Kentucky. Uh, depth in the inside linebacker spot and injuries to that position has been a big factor for Kentucky. So a lot of what's been going on there uh, is a big plan for Kentucky. And they're going to try to stay healthy. And they're going to try to add more depth to that inside linebacker spot. And that is, and that is I think, a concern for Kentucky going in to the football season. But Kentucky's in great shape on offense. Defense is just kind of like, you know, we got to see what's happening, especially in that inside linebacker spot. So that's Kentucky's takeaways. And let's move on to Tennessee. Let's move on to Tennessee. Uh, some takeaways that I got from Tennessee were pretty pretty good at media days. Josh Heupel says that, that and I quote, and this is pretty good, uh, two things about Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference next season that I found quite interesting. One, he's excited about going back to Oklahoma, uh, his alma mater where he played football and played quarterback at. He's excited to go back and, you know, have a game against them. It's going to be competitive and fun, and he's really, you know, excited about that. And number two, he threw shade at his rival at, you know, his alma mater's rival, Texas, and said that they are the real UT and there's only one right shade of orange. So a, a subtle shot at Texas there, but, um, you know, you know, it's, you know, or, or, or are we talking about Texas? I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, but, uh, again, I'm joking, but, uh, of course we're talking about Texas. Okay. So, uh, he said that there's no better time to be a volunteer, especially after last season. What they did last season was impressive. They had Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt. They had one of the best offenses in the country. They won 11 games and won the Orange Bowl. Wins included against LSU, Alabama, Florida, and Clemson. Uh, some of those games were phenomenal, right? And they looked they looked fantastic last season, and they are looking to pick up pick up on that success for next season for coming up into this season. So there's no better time to be a volunteer fan and be a Tennessee fan. So Rocky Top is buzzing in Knoxville, uh, despite all the NCAA stuff. He really didn't comment on that, but that is not his to worry about. So do not blame Josh Heupel for that, anyone. So he also said, and this is you know my last takeaway for Tennessee. And I think Tennessee is going to be a really good football team under him, but quarterback Joe Milton, the third, uh, backing up, uh, he was a transfer from Michigan. He lost the job at Michigan transferred was going to win the job, but then Hendon hooker beat him out for it and ended up starting the past two seasons. Joe Milton was waiting. He had patience. He learned and growed, and now it's his time to shine under Hendon hooker. So Joe Milton is the, Obvious starter. He played lights out against Clemson in the Orange Bowl, and he's expected to play lights out this season for Tennessee this year, right? So Joe Milton, 
his trust and ability, this is according to Josh Heupel, his trust and ability to recognize where he can grow is going to make him a better college football player and a better football player in general. Uh, he thinks that because he's you know recognizing where he can learn and grow from, it's unbelievable. And I think he's already got the accuracy and a cannon of an arm. But if he recognizes some of the areas he can grow in, uh, decision-making, and uh, be a little bit more confident, and he displayed some of that confidence at media, confidence at media days, he could probably be one of the best in college football. If I mean, not just in the SEC, but in college football. So, you know, if I'm a Tennessee fan right now, I would tune in, and I would be very excited about what we have on offense this season. They have Brew McCoy and Squirrel White, along with uh, along with uh, uh, Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. So, uh, you know, Tennessee looking good, right? So, last but not least, the quote unquote kingpin of the SEC West, shh, Alabama football. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, so here are my takeaways from this, and it's interesting because Alabama has lost a lot. <laughs> they, uh, according to a lot of everybody else, they've lost Bryce Young, they've lost Will Anderson, they've lost a lot of guys, uh, including their coordinators. They lost Bill O'Brien and they lost Pete Golding. Uh, Bill O'Brien to the NFL to the New England Patriots, and Pete Golding to SEC West counterpart Ole Miss. So. Let's talk about this, some of the key takeaways that Nick Saban was talking about. He says experience does matter despite having the least returning teams on both sides of the ball in the SEC, which they do. They have a lot of young faces. Talent. Talent. They have a lot of talent, right? Um, but they have one of the least returning teams in the SEC, but that's okay. No need to fear because history has it when they get to, you know, when they get two new coordinators and they have a young, a new, fresh quarterback under center, they usually win the national championship. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying history tends to repeat itself. All right. So let's just, you know, kind of take a, you know, kind of think about that for a little bit. But who knows? A lot of people are kind of. Backing off on Alabama, I'll get to that at the end. But uh, Nick Saban said that Tommy Rees and Kevin Steele were doing fine jobs of learning the playbook going into the season, and Tommy Rees brings an, uh, a strong mentality and energy to this offense. And I think that, you know, He's work. He's you know learning the playbook is a big thing, and I think that Tommy Reese has the potential to do some good things at Alabama that most people are not, you know, are not going to, you know, give him credit for. And I think that Alabama is going to be a team that I would not count out. I would say that are they going to win? Are they going? Who who knows if they're going to win a title or not? But do not count Alabama out because they're still Alabama. No update on who the starter will be going into the season opener against Middle Tennessee State. That's my last takeaway that I got from this. We didn't really say hear much about it. All we know that we have is Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame trans transfer quarterback, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. The favorites and the odds shift every day on who's going to be the starter going into that game for Alabama. So here's what I got from this. Kentucky is kind of under the radar. We don't know what's going to happen with Kentucky. Um, it's kind of like a stay tuned kind of thing. They got some stuff to work on, but they also have some stuff that's going good for them. So let's just keep at it, right? Tennessee 
is expected to be as good as advertised. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a team that you do not want to, you know, tune out or don't forget about because Joe Milton is a solid quarterback and that offense is going to look, you know, pretty darn fantastic, right? So, last but not least, the takeaway for Alabama. And my takeaway is this big takeaway. Do not count on Alabama. A lot of people are picking LSU to win the West ECC West. I picked LSU to win the SEC West back in my conference standing projections. I picked them to win the SEC championship over Georgia as well. But here's the thing. If we're being real to ourselves, do not count on Alabama. Alabama is going to do what they always do. Alabama is going to go win. I honestly think, and I believe this is what people, what it would if I'm a fan, I could be afraid of. Oh, Alabama lost everything. They're going out the window. Nick Saban's getting, you know, it's, you know, going down the window. It's over, right? It's over for Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Don't say that just yet, all right? And I, why I tell you why is Alabama has a tendency of, I'm going to show you who the heck I am. And they really do. They have a tendency, I'm going to show you who the heck I am. And I'm about to go out here and we're going to play our brand of football, physical, tough, and you're not going to do a single thing about it. And you're going to try to beat us. When Alabama's backs are against the wall, that is probably one of the worst, you know, Alabama teams to play against. You're going to wind up thinking, okay, you know, we just got beat. And Nick Saban's going to say, shouldn't have counted us out. So don't count on Alabama. Alabama's still going to be a team to beat. And they're still most likely, despite the quarterback concerns and despite, you know, the young team, could win 10 to 11 games of the season. So uh, don't count on Alabama just yet. Are they projected? Uh, media has them first and Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC championship. Uh, everyone else and other and some other media outlets have LSU losing to Georgia in the SEC championship game. So uh, those are my takeaways from everybody. And we're out of time. So uh, again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, leave a like on the episode, and leave a comment down below. Spotify, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Podbean, same thing. If you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Now, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Twitter, it's at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. All I got to do is type that in the search engine. You'll find it. Follow and like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as news and highlights from across college and NFL football. Facebook, same thing. All you got to do is type in pigskin frenzy. Follow like the page there. You'll get episode updates as well as all things up to date with pigskin frenzy. And Instagram, all you got to do is type in at pigskin frenzy. Follow the page there. Like the page. You'll get episode updates, trivia questions, and all things up to date with Pigskin Frenzy. Again, big thank you for taking some time out of your th Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage. So, again, tune in Thursday, NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. I went on a rant last Thursday about the state of the market. We're going to continue a little bit of that, but it's going to be more of we're going to get you up to date with all the signings and latest contract extensions going on across the league uh, heading in and not really heading in, but at the start right now of NFL training camp. So tune in Thursday and we're going to talk about talk about everything going on there. 
I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you Thursday for an NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy. And for everybody out there, stay the course.